Hello, listeners, and welcome to our very first half-related Halloween special. If you're new to the show, we're so happy to have you with us. My name is Kendra, and I usually share paranormal stories. My name is Whitney, and I usually tell the true crime stories. But tonight, Kendra and I are going to do things a little bit different. Are you ready for... A half-related Halloween special! Tonight, we are going to read to you and critique some spooky stories from a book from our childhood. It scared the shit out of us when we were little, (laughs) but now it kind of makes us laugh. So I really hope you guys are going to enjoy this as much as we do. And if you're a 90s kid, you most likely will. So the book is called Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. And actually, it's like a series of three books, but we have all of them as one big book. So, yeah. So, I am going to start with one that personally fucked me up when I was little. And it's probably the reason why I'm so afraid of, like, a smothery feeling or, like, claustrophobic feeling. This story right here is called The Bride. Ooh, I remember this one. Yeah. The minister's daughter had just gotten married. After the wedding ceremony, there was a great feast with music and dancing in contests and games, even old children's games. When they got to playing hide-and-seek, the bride decided to hide in her grandfather's trunk up in the attic. They'll never find me there, she thought. As she climbed into the trunk, the lid came down, cracked her on the head, and she fell unconscious inside. The lid slammed shut and locked. No one will ever know how long she called for help or how hard she struggled to free herself from that tomb. Everyone in the village searched for her, and they looked almost everywhere, but no one thought of looking in the trunk. After a week, her brand new bridegroom and all the others gave up for lost. Years later, a maid went up to the attic looking for something she needed. Maybe it's in this trunk, she thought. She opened it and screamed. There lay the missing bride in her wedding dress. But by then, she was only a skeleton. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, that one is the reason why I am afraid of small spaces. I mean, I think it really messed me up because we we were always playing hide-and-seek. And so, like, I would always think about the story in every place that I chose to hide because I didn't want to get stuck oh and die. God. You really were traumatized. <sighs> oh, yeah. I'm really sorry. <laughs> Mine's kind of short, but this is the one that scared me the most. Oh, no. Because... It's about spiders. This is called The Red Spot. While Ruth slept, a spider crawled across her face. It stopped for several minutes on her left cheek, and then it went on its way. What's that red spot on my cheek? She asked her mother the next morning. It looks like a spider bite. (laughs) (laughs) My child, it looks like a spider bite. Her mother said. It will go away. Just don't scratch it. Soon, the small red spot grew into a small red boil. Look at it now, Ruth said. It's getting bigger. It's sore. Sometimes that happens, her mother said. It's coming to a head. In a few days, the boil was even larger. Look at it now, Ruth said. It hurts and it's ugly. We'll have the doctor look at it, her mother said. Maybe it's infected. But the doctor could not see Ruth until the next day. That night, Ruth took a hot bath 
as she soaked herself, the boil burst. Out poured a swarm of tiny spiders from the eggs their mother had laid in her cheek. Now that freaks me out. And then uh, I found out that this actually can happen. I know I've heard stories about this. Spiders laying eggs in your fucking skin. Yeah, that was my uh, most afraid of story from this book. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Okay, so this next one is just... It's just fucked up, and it really made me think. And I wasn't expecting the ending at all, and... Let me read it. It's called The Brown Suit. A woman came to a funeral parlor to see her husband's corpse. You did a good job, she said to the undertaker. He looks just the way he always looked, except for one thing. My husband always wore a brown suit, but you have him dressed in a blue suit. That is no problem, said the undertaker. We can easily change it. When she returned later, her husband was wearing a brown suit. Now he looks just the way he always did, she said. I know you went to a lot of trouble. It was no trouble, he said. As it happened, there is a man here who was already wearing a brown suit, and his widow felt that blue would be better. He is about your husband's size, so we gave him the blue one and gave your husband the brown one. Even so, she said. Changing all the clothing was a big job. Not really, said the undertaker. All we did was exchange their heads. What the fuck? What? They didn't change their clothes, they just changed- they took their heads off and exchanged their heads and- You don't tell a child that! I'm just a big believer in the fact that this book should never have been read to us as children. It's fucking messed up. Okay, so this one is called The Bus Stop. Ed Cox was driving home from work in a rainstorm. While he waited for a traffic light to change, he saw a young woman standing alone at a bus stop. She had no umbrella and was soaking wet. Are you going toward Farmington? he called. Yes, I am, she said. Would you like a ride home? I would, she said, and she got in. My name is Joanna Finney. Thank you for rescuing me. I'm Ed Cox, he said, and you're welcome. On the way home... They talked and talked. She told him about her family and her job and where she had gone to school, and he told her about himself. By the time they got to her house, the rain had stopped. I'm glad it rained, Ed said. Would you like to go out tomorrow after work? I'd love to, Joanna said. She asked him to meet her at the bus stop since it was near her office. They had such a good time, they went out many times after that. Always they would meet at the bus stop, and off they would go. Ed liked her more each time he saw her, but one night when they had a date to go out, Joanna did not appear. Ed waited at the bus stop for almost an hour. Maybe something is wrong, he thought, and he drove to her house in Farmington. An older woman came to the door. I'm Ed Cox, he said. Maybe Joanna told you about me. I had a date with her tonight. We were supposed to meet at the bus stop near her office, but she didn't show up. Is she all right? The woman looked at him as if he had said something strange. I'm Joanna's mother, she said slowly. Joanna isn't here now, but why don't you come in? Ed pointed to a picture on the mantel. That looks just like her, he said. It did, once, her mother replied. But that picture was taken when she was your age, about twenty years ago. A few days later, she was waiting in the rain at that bus stop. A car hit her, and she was killed. Oh my! Baruto. He was dating the ghost. He was smooching the spooks. Smooching the spooks. Spooky smooching. Alright, I got I got a weird one. This one's just weird. Like it's not even scary, it's just weird. It's called the attic. A T T I C. Yes. The attic. A man named Rupert lived with his dog in a house deep in the woods. 
Rupert was a hunter and a trapper. The dog was a big German shepherd named Sam. Rupert had raised Sam from a pup. Almost every morning, Rupert went hunting, and Sam stayed behind and guarded the house. One morning, as Rupert was checking his traps, he got the feeling that something was wrong at home. He hurried back as fast as he could, but when he got there, he found that Sam was missing. He searched the house and the woods nearby, but Sam was nowhere to be seen. He called and called, but the dog did not answer. For days, Rupert looked for Sam, but he could, but he could find no trace of him. Finally, he gave up and went back to his work, but one morning, he heard something moving in the attic. He picked up his gun, then he thought, I'd better be quiet about this. So he took off his boots, and in his bare feet, he began to climb the attic stairs. He slowly took one step, then another, then another, until, at last, he reached the attic door. He stood outside listening, but he didn't hear a thing. Then he opened the door and... Ah! And then it says in parentheses. <laughs> At this point, the storyteller stops, as if he is finished. Then usually, somebody will ask, Why did Rupert scream? The storyteller replies, You'd scream too, if you stepped on a nail in your bare feet. It's pretty much saying that after I screamed, you were supposed to be like, Oh, well, why did Rupert scream? And then I would say, You'd scream, too, if you stepped on a nail in your bare feet. Like, is that not the dumbest story you've that's... ever heard in your life? I want to smack whoever wrote that right Yeah, that's now. not scary. That's not scary no. at all. This one's a little scary. It's called The Babysitter. Oh. It was 9 o'clock in the evening. Everybody was sitting on the couch in front of the TV. There were Richard, Brian, Ginny, and Doreen, the babysitter. The telephone rang. Maybe it's your mother, said Doreen. She picked up the phone. Before she could say a word, a man laughed hysterically and hung up. Who was it? Ri asked Richard. Some nut, said Doreen. What did I miss? At 9.30, the telephone rang again. Doreen answered it. It was the man who had called before. I'll be there soon, he said, and then he laughed and hung up. Who was it? Children asked. Some crazy person, she said. About 10 o'clock, the telephone rang again. Jenny got to it first. Hello, she said. It was the same man. One more hour, he said, and he laughed and hung up. He said, one more hour. What did he mean? Asked Jenny. Don't worry, said Doreen. It's somebody fooling around. I'm scared, said Jenny. About 10.30, the telephone rang once more. When Doreen picked it up, the man said, pretty soon now, and he laughed. Why are you doing this? Doreen screamed, and he hung up. Was it that guy again? asked Brian. Yes, said Doreen. I'm going to call the operator and complain. The operator told her to call back if it happened again and she would try to trace the call. At eleven o'clock, the telephone rang again. Doreen answered it. Very soon now, the man said, and he laughed and hung up. Doreen called the operator. Almost at once, she called back. That person is calling from a telephone upstairs, she said. You'd better leave. I'll get the police. Just then, a door upstairs opened. A man they had never seen before started down the stairs toward them. As they ran from the house, he was smiling in a very strange way. A few minutes later, the police found him there and arrested him. I mean, if that happened to me, I'd be pretty creeped out. That's just weird. It's, like, believable, though. That's, like, every child of, like, every babysitter scary movie. <laughs> okay, I have a weird one. And this one, the picture is what... 
fucked me up. It's the picture of the cut-off arm holding a fork uh, with meat on the end of it, like it's eating yeah, its own Yeah, I know this one, I know this arm. one. Ooh. Okay, it's called Wonderful Sausage. One dark, rainy Saturday afternoon, a fat and jolly butcher named Samuel Blunt had an argument over money with his wife, Eloise. Blunt lost his temper and killed Eloise. Then he ground her up. Oh my god, they don't even wait. They just get right into this. Then he ground her up into sausage meat and buried her and buried her bones under a big flat rock in his backyard to keep the murder a secret. He told everyone that she had moved away. Blunt mixed his new sausage meat with pork, then seasoned it with salt and pepper, added some sage and thyme, and a bit of garlic. To give it a special flavor, he smoked it in his smokehouse for a while. He called it Blunt's Special Sausage. There was such a... There was such a demand for his new sausage that Blunt bought the best hogs he could find and started raising his own pork. He also kept a sharp lookout for humans who might make a tasty sausage meat. One day, a nice plump schoolteacher came into his shop. Blunt grabbed her and ground her up. Another time, Blunt's dentist came by. He was a little round man, and into the grinder he went. Then one by one, the children in the neighborhood. Oh my God! Then one by one, the children in the neighborhood began to disappear, and so did their. Oh my God! This is fucked up, Kendra. And so did their kittens and puppies. But no one ever dreamed that Blunt the butcher had anything to do with it. This is upsetting. Things went on that way for years. Then one day, Blunt made a big mistake. A fat boy came into the butcher shop. Blunt grabbed him and started to drag him off to the sausage grinder. But the boy broke loose and ran out of the shop, and Blunt chased after him, waving a big butcher knife. When people saw this, they realized at once what had become of all the missing children and grown-ups and kittens and puppies. An angry crowd gathered at the butcher shop. No one knows for sure just what happened to Blunt that day. Some people say he was fed to his own hogs. Others say he was fed to to his sausage grinder. But he was never seen again, and neither was his wonderful sausage meat. That is fucked up. I was fine. That's nasty. What? I was fine until they brought in the kittens and puppies. Yeah. Oh, my God. The one thing about that story, though, is they don't even, like, they don't even wait. They're just, like... Blah, 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 blah. Just jump right into it. So-and-so had a butcher shop. Then he grabbed Sarah and threw her in the grinder. Okay, this one is called Just Delicious. George Flint loved to eat. Who doesn't? Each day at noon, he closed his camera shop for two hours and went home for a big lunch his wife Mina cooked for him. George was a bully, and Mina was a timid woman who did everything he asked because she was afraid of him. That's abusive. That's fucking sad. Domestic abuse. On his way home for lunch one day, George stopped at the butcher's shop, and he bought a pound of liver. He loved liver. Ew. He would have Mina cook it for dinner that night. Despite all his complaints about her, she was a very good cook. While George ate his lunch, Mina told him that a rich old woman in town had died. Her body was in the church next door. It was in an open coffin. Anyone who wanted to see her could. As usual, George was not interested in what Mina had to say. I've got to go back to work, he told her. What an asshole. 
After he left, Mina began to cook the liver. She added vegetables and spices and simmered it all afternoon, just the way George liked it. When she thought it was done, she cut off a small piece and tasted it. It was delicious, the best she had ever made. She ate a second piece, then a third. It was so good, she could not stop eating it. It was only when the liver was all gone that she thought of George. Oh, shit. He would be coming home soon. What would he do when he found that she had eaten all of the liver? Some men would laugh, but not George. He would be angry and mean, and she did not want to face that again. But where could she get another piece of liver that late in the day? Then she remembered the old woman lying in the church next door waiting to be buried. Oh my god. That's kind of fucked up that they put a story like that in a kid's book. That's what I'm saying. Like, every the more we get into these, the more I'm just thinking, oh my god, you, you read, like, these are for children. The book says ages 8 I to know. 12. Alright, so this one's called The Ghost with the Bloody Fingers. A businessman arrived at a hotel late one night and asked for a room. The room clerk told him the hotel was all filled up. There is only one empty room, he said, but we won't rent that one because it's haunted. I'll take it, said the businessman. I don't believe in ghosts. The man went up to his room. He unpacked his things and went to bed. As soon as he did, a ghost came out of the closet. Its fingers were bleeding, and it was moaning. Bloody fingers, bloody fingers. When the man saw the ghost, he grabbed his things and ran. The next night, a woman arrived very late again. All the rooms were taken except for the haunted room. I'll sleep there, she said. I'm not afraid of ghosts. I ain't afraid of no ghost. As soon as she got into bed, the ghost came out of the closet. Its fingers were still bleeding. It was still moaning. Bloody fingers, bloody fingers. And the woman <laughs> took one look and ran. A week later, another guest arrived very late. He also took the haunted room. After he unpacked, he got out his guitar and began to play. As soon as the ghost appeared, as before, its fingers were bleeding and it was moaning, Bloody fingers, bloody fingers. The man paid no attention. He just kept strumming the guitar, but the ghost kept moaning, and his fingers kept bleeding. Finally, the guitar player looked up. Cool it, man, he said. Get yourself a band-aid. The end. <laughs> Was wow. that not fucking stupid? It's stupid, but it's like so stupid I kind of like it. <laughs> cool it, man. Get yourself a band-aid. Just imagine like a real cool guy. Like, cool it, man. Get yourself a band-aid. <laughs> okay. Aaron Kelly's bones. Oh, no. Aaron Kelly was dead. Oh. They bought him a coffin and had a funeral and buried him. But that night, he got out of his coffin and he came home. His family was sitting around the fire when he walked in. He sat down next to his widow and he said, What's going on? Y'all act like somebody died. Who's dead? His widow said, You are. Okay, what the fuck? Oh, Why would she not be terrified? You are. Duh. I don't feel dead, he said. I feel fine. You don't look fine, his widow said. You look dead. You better get back to the grave where you belong. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> get back in your grave. I'm not going back to the grave until I feel dead, he said. Since Aaron wouldn't go back, his widow couldn't collect his life insurance. Oh my god. 
god! <laughs> this is like, oh my god, she killed him, didn't she? She killed him. I don't him. know, it gets better and better. <laughs> Without that, she couldn't pay for the coffin. <laughs> the undertaker said he wouldn't take it back, and Aaron didn't oh care. My god. Selfish. He just sat by the fire, rocking in a chair and warming his hands and feet. But his joints were dry and his back was stiff, and every time he moved, he creaked and cracked. Ew. Oh. One night, the best fiddler in town came <laughs> <laughs> What the fuck even is this story? I don't know what's happening. <laughs> One night, the best fiddler in town came to court the widow. Since Aaron was dead, the fiddler wanted to marry her. The two of them sat on one side of the fire, and Aaron sat on the other side, creaking and cracking. How long do we have to put up with this dead corpse, the oh widow god. asked. What the fuck? Oh my god, that's her husband. Something must be done, the fiddler said. This isn't very jolly, Aaron said. <laughs> Let's dance. <laughs> what is happening? The fiddler got out his fiddle and began to play. Aaron stretched himself, shook himself, got up, took a step or two and began to dance. With his old bones rattling and his yellow teeth snapping and his bald head wagging and his arms flip-flopping around and around oh, hell he yeah. <laughs> With his long legs clicking and his knee bones knock-knocking, he skipped and pranced around the room. How that dead man <laughs> danced. But pretty soon... <laughs> Pretty soon a bone worked loose and fell to the floor. Look at that, said the fiddler. Play faster, <gasps> said the widow. The fiddler played faster. What the God fuck? Dance himself to death. Crickety crack. Down and back, the dead men went hopping and his dry bones kept dropping. This way, that way, the pieces just kept popping. Play, man, play, cried the widow. The fiddler fiddled, and the dead Aaron danced, and then Aaron fell apart, collapsed into a pile of bones, all except his bald head bone that grinned at the fiddler, cracked its teeth, and kept dancing. Look at that, groaned the fiddler. Play louder, cried the widow. Ho, ho, said the head bone. Ain't we having fun? The fiddler couldn't stand it. Widow, he said, I'm going home, and he never what came back. What the fuck? The family gathered up Aaron's bones and put them back in the coffin. They mixed them up so he couldn't fit them together. After that, Aaron stayed in his grave. But his widow never did get married again. Aaron had seen to that. What does that mean? I, I don't know. He scared the fiddler away. Because he scared the fiddler away? Yeah. I hope she but, got the life insurance money. And why did they call it a head bone? I know, they it's call it a skull. I thought the same thing. What? I was like, head bone? That was weird. That was, like, his wife was, so was really insensitive to his death. That was so weird. Okay, I got one. It's called The Bad News. Uh-oh. Leon and Todd loved baseball. When they were young, they had played on the town's baseball team. Leon had been the pitcher and Todd had played second base. Now that they were a lot older, they spent their free time watching baseball games on TV and talking about baseball. Do you think they'll play baseball in heaven? Leon asked Todd one day. That's a good question, said Todd. The one who gets there first should let the other one know some somehow. And it turns out, Todd got to heaven first, and Leon waited patiently to hear from him. 
One day, Leon found Todd sitting in the living room waiting for him. Leon was very excited to see him. What's it like up there? he asked. And what about baseball? When it comes to baseball, said Todd, I have some good news and I have some bad news. The good news is that we do play baseball in heaven. We have some fine teams. I play second base on my team, just like I used to in the old days. That's the good news. What's the bad news? said Leon. The bad news, said Todd, is that you are scheduled to pitch tomorrow. Dun, dun, dun! Because he's going to die tomorrow. This one is called Me Tie Doty Walker. There was a haunted house where every night a bloody head fell down the chimney. At least that's what people said. What the fuck? So nobody would stay there overnight. Then a rich man offered $200 to whoever would do it, and this boy said he would try if he could have his dog with him. So it was all settled. The very next night, the boy went into the house with his dog. To make it more cheerful, he started a fire in the fireplace. Uh, probably because a bloody head is expected to roll down it. I don't think it was a cheerful fucking no, idea, No, no, it's gonna be a burn bloody head. <laughs> <laughs> then he sat in front of the fire and waited, and his dog waited with him. But for a while, nothing happened. Probably because it didn't want to roll into a fucking fire, <laughs> but yeah. But a little after midnight, he heard someone singing softly and sadly off in the woods. The singing sounded something like this. Me tie doty walker. It's just somebody singing, the boy told himself, but he was frightened. Then his dog answered the song softly and sadly. It sang, Lynchy, kinchy, Kali molly, dingo, dingo. The dog? Yeah, the, the dog, dog sang that? Dog okay. Sang. Okay. Yeah. The boy could not believe his ears. His dog had never uttered a oh word before. <laughs> Gee, maybe because it's a fucking <laughs> dog. I, I really don't know where this story's going. <laughs> then a few minutes later, he heard the singing again. Now it was closer and louder, but the words were the same. Me tie Doty Walker. This time the boy tried to stop his dog from answering. He was afraid that whoever was singing would hear it and come after them. But his dog paid no attention. And again, it sang, Lynchy, Kinchy, Kali, Molly, Dingo, oh Dingo. God. Half hour later, the boy heard the singing again. Now it was in the backyard, and the song was the same. Me tie Doty Walker. And again, the boy tried to keep his dog quiet, but the dog sang out louder than ever. Lynchy, kinchy, collie, molly, dingo, dingo. Soon, the boy heard the singing again. Now it was coming down oh, the yeah. chimney. Me tie Doty Walker. The dog sang right back. Lynchy, kinchy, collie, molly, dingo, dingo. Suddenly, a bloody head fell out of the chimney. It missed the fire and landed right next to the dog. What? The dog took one look and fell over, dead from fright. The head turned and stared at the boy. Slowly, it opened its mouth and... Ah! That's it. What the fuck were they saying? Why was the dog so into it and then the dog had to die? They were saying, me tie Dodie Walker. Well, why did the dog have to die? He was just being a participant. He was just trying to help this head out. Oh, God. Alright, guys. Be sure to watch out for more episodes every Sunday at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you're in need of more half-related content, you can find our Instagram, Discord, Patreon, and more by visiting us at linktr.ee slash half-related. 
We would love to hear from you, so be sure to hit us up on Twitter at OnlyHalfRelated or send a nice email at HalfRelatedPodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Stay weird. Stay creepy. Have a happy happy Halloween. Halloween!